2: On today's show, we're chatting with Makeover veterans Aaron O'Keefe and Jackie Barr to get their hot tips on following their favorite racehorses and making their virtual stable a reality. We catch up with making the Makeover riders Julia Haysu and Adriana Nanini and how their training is progressing for their Makeover horses. We wrap up with a training tip from Leander Cooper and introduce our adaptable horse of the week. Stay tuned.
3: And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse.
2: This is Joy Orr in Detroit, Michigan.
1: And this is Kristen Kovach-Bentley in Jamestown, New York, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio.
2: Kristen, do you even know how excited I am right now with this weather? I mean, I hate that it's hot, but I love that it's not winter. (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's like the trade-off anymore right in the north we used to get seasons and now we just get winter and summer summer
2: but i'm like i'm here for it i hate the flies my horse is sad that i'm making her live outside most of the time these days she only comes in to eat and for a quick afternoon nap and then she's like why are you putting me back out here like it's building character Yeah,
1: and I'm just trying to count my blessings too. Like my horses are on full turnout. Like my chores have gotten a lot easier. Like everything is great. It's a beautiful time.
2: I would love it to like slow down just a little bit. Like let's just bask in this because I hate we're already in June, but it's all right. Yeah, that beggars can't be choosers. (laughs) (laughs) Not when you
1: live in the north like
2: we do. Yeah, no, but I feel like I definitely am spending a lot more time at the barn these days, which is really lovely. Um, and I, I've had some achievements. I'm oh yeah, so tell yes. me about them. So, as you know, last episode we tried a new bit. It was a success, but I didn't want to try the spurs yet, just in case it went poorly. Like too many changes too fast. Right. Uh, I just didn't need to push her like that. So now that we were good on the bit for about two weeks, I'm like, okay, let's try the spurs. For Ooh. one, I didn't understand that I could fit spurs to my boots. That was a mental struggle for me to overcome. I've never ridden in spurs before. I'm like, these don't fit. I was like crying at my lesson.
1: Oh, yeah. Right. Because with an English spur, you can just like, and just kind of open them or close them. Yeah. Right. right.
2: I thought I was stupid and ordered the wrong size off Etsy. Oh. Turns out I can just bend them. Lessons learned. Bend them to your will. There you go. Lessons learned. So, cause all my horses have ridden perfectly off my leg. Like if you had added a spur, I would have been in New Mexico. It would have been a horrible decision for me. So this is all very new.
1: Yeah. That's fine. And, You're uh, learning. It's going I'm well.
2: learning with my horse. I will tell you the first time I used these spurs, Kristen, my horse did not care. <laughs>
1: really? Oh,
2: great. Yeah. Cause I was like,
1: well, this is going to go one of two ways. <laughs> yes. Um and I thought she, it was gonna be the other way. So yes, okay. well, and,
2: and she's like quite uh what's the best word for this? I always say spicy. She is opinionated that's a good yeah. word to say it. She knows what she likes and what she doesn't like, and she will let you know when she doesn't like something very quickly. Um, so I was like, well, we'll see what happens. And the first I was like really dainty, and they're just rollerball spurs, like they're not anything like crazy Western, anything like that. And I just like pushed a little bit, like just testing the water, did not react to the point I had to like push in still with my leg pretty significant. She's like, what's that? Are you asking me something? And I was like, well, this is great. I've had all the confidence after that. So then I just started using the spurs correctly. And I'd say we have a 75% reaction to them, which is good. She's mostly moving off them. Sometimes she's like, eh. I'm good with the pressure. (laughs) and She just continues to do what she wants, but it was still a success. And then we, I just entered a little online show. Um, Our fields have been kind of wet and we only had one away show. It was like a hunter trial type thing, not really our speed, but I wanted to get something in for a baseline. So we did the online show and she was a little bit tense. Um, She had some allergies going on. So I'm like, maybe it wasn't the best day to do it. But we still ended up scoring a high 60, which was nice. Nice. Yeah. She actually got a 7.5 on her uh coming down the center line and a very okay. square halt. Excellent. Uh, so that was nice to see that score. We did have like two fives. Like, eh. Eh. It's okay. She was a little tense and couldn't breathe. She gave herself a nosebleed later. Oh no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she got herself
1: all stressed out.
2: She sure did. Oh, so honey. she's now on allergy medication. <laughs> oh, she's doing much better. Um we think she has some like new weed that's growing in the pasture that we don't understand, Ugh. but she's now on allergy meds, doing significantly better. Um, <laughs> yes. So she was a little bit of stress. Oh, uh, so I'll take those fives, but the fact we saw that a sixty, and I'm like sixty, dealing with allergy issues and not very comfortable. I I imagine this would have been like a decent seventy had you been okay. <laughs> yeah, so that that's was awesome. promising. That was promising, but you had a much more exciting time than I have. I was like cheering from the gram watching you and Eric at your horse show.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And we kind of kept it like a little on the DL, like n- what I would like to do later this summer is like a full weekend takeover. Um, Cause we're hoping that jobber is going to dust his show pants off and come back next time. But yeah, we took uh, Wes and Shorty. So Eric's thoroughbred and then my standard bread, um, poor Wes just sort of got like yanked off the bench. Um, normally I would like to do a lot more conditioning work, to make sure he's fit to show, but we, we did a really like class on their toes.
2: It's good for their character.
1: Yeah. Right. That's one thing West (laughs) loves is surprises.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, but he went and he was was great.
1: Yeah. He's a good little nugget. I mean, I kind of gave him like a idiot's crash course to ranch roping over the past couple of weeks. And he was like, well, okay. So, and I kept telling people all weekend, they're like, oh, you're going to do the roping with West. And I was like, yeah, like, You know, Wes's neck reining is really not great and he's not super broke to move off the leg. So if I kind of like point him at a cow from a distance and sort of push him off like a sailing ship and the cow was still there, like we're in good shape, which entertained people. And of course, that's not at all what Mm -hmm. happened. So, you know, we just sort of immediately scattered the herd and then floundered around. But we did get our catch after the whistle blew. But in my mind, it still counts. So it was great. Eric got the only legal catch in the ranch roping in the whole show. So he did his usual fabulous job. He's like getting himself a reputation as like our crack roper and we still are all not very good. So it's like the crack roper of not a very good herd of ropers, <laughs> but uh, we have a good time and it represents the thoroughbreds. Well, you know that like he goes out and is, you know, just dropping bombs on cows. So it's a lot of fun. So, and it was just, we were really glad to even get there with shorty because um, a couple of weeks prior, of course I had jobber in Ohio for the surgery on his lymphoma. And they were like, well, you can leave your trailer out here if you want. And I was like, oh, that'd be great. Like, I don't need to haul an empty trailer four and a half hours home and then turn around two days later and haul it all the way back. So I left it there. And then we were riding on Tuesday and Shorty stepped on a stick and jammed it up into his foot. Yeah.
2: (laughs) and I was I like, I remember those tags. <laughs> ah! I was like,
1: ah, I don't know what to do. Um, I apologize for everyone whose ears I just shrieked into, but that's basically what my brain was doing that whole time. So, you know, like you're not supposed to remove the thing in the horse's foot, but of course we were moving a cow at the time. So we were just kind of like trying to hustle through it. So of course he snapped the stick off like flush with the bottom of his foot. But luckily, luckily, luckily it went into like the back of the heel bulb and it went in at a super shallow angle. So it didn't go like up into any of the important structures, as far as we could tell. He is
2: lucky.
1: He's really lucky because if you are listening to this and you've never dealt with a foreign body in a horse's foot, like what you ideally want to do is stabilize the object and then immediately get the horse in the trailer and go for X-rays so that you can see if it did puncture, you know, the joint capsule or hit any of the soft tissues.
4: Don't
2: pull it out. Don't
1: pull it out, which is kind of what the only option given to us at the time because we had. No trailer because I stupidly left it three states away. He knew. (laughs) He was like, look at me, (laughs) bam. Um, So weirdly, he was super sound. There was a chunk of stick in there that we just couldn't get out. So I, (laughs) this is like, again, not what you want to do, but I wrapped it up with ichthamol, and the next day it had drawn the stick out. The wound was clean. There was no drainage. It did then abscess out the back of the foot. So that drained for a while. So we brought him, I was like, Eric, I don't know if you're going to be able to show him, but honestly, I don't want to saddle a horse sitter with like having to change his abscess bandage and we've already paid for the stall. So we brought Shorty with us (laughs) with his foot wrapped and then Magna waved it and that really helped dry it up and he was sound. So we went for it and Eric showed him and he was fine. And now the, the abscess site is dried up and it's growing out. So again, maybe not like, you know, an A plus guide in horse ownership here, no, but it, it, it was definitely it out a freak for us.
2: <laughs> but I will say, <laughs> so, you know, he definitely wanted to make a claim that standard breads are resilient.
1: Yeah. Well, and that was shorty, the thoroughbred, which is shockingly oh, resilient yes. for because normally he's like, you know, he's vision impaired. He's like, you know, drops weight all the time, but he was like, my feet are good though. So
2: but, you know, Fine, Jobber did not get all the attention
1: either. Yeah, I think that's what happened. So I would like to say I've had my three things now. So we've had Jobber, we had, I mentioned the impaction, I think, last episode. We had an impaction colic early in the month yes. and Shorty trying to chop his own foot off. So I think hopefully... You should be good
2: for a minute, you know? That I guess it's my, is my turn, unfortunately. No, 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 no. We're not turn. passing
1: that baton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that baton is being buried <laughs> in the ground. I but anyway, yeah, that. we're just happy to be here at this point. So... Ah. <laughs>
2: Well, I'm glad there's good news on this on multiple sides, mostly that yeah. you had a great show weekend. And I remember at the beginning of the year, you just wanted to be able to rope a calf. Like that was your big goal. And I feel like you're doing it consistently now.
0: I
1: did technically. I technically did it. So, yes. and then I I got to ride Jobber the other night and I was like, oh my God, it's so easy to rope cows off this horse. So yes. not that so I want to come in with eagle. a big ego. You need but, a harder.
2: Wrap two yeah. cows. That's what you gotta well, do. Well, let
1: me let me like rope a calf legally within the time allotted in the class. Let's. All move right, I'll that. allow yeah. it. I'll
2: yeah. allow it. I guess we don't need to push the edges too much. <laughs> <laughs> little baby steps, joy, baby <laughs> steps, baby steps. <laughs> well, luckily, all our horses are happy and healthy now, and we are so happy to be sponsored by a amazing company that keeps our horses happy and healthy, and that is Kentucky Performance Products. And we're going to hear a little message from them now.
0: This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com.
5: If you've ever had a horse with diarrhea, you know what a frustrating problem it can be. Finding an ingredient that works to dry up the diarrhea becomes a high priority. It turns out that researchers have found one, a yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii. It has been proven to improve and halt episodes of diarrhea. It supplies specific nutrients to the lining of the small and large intestines, and these nutrients promote healing of irritated tissues.
0: This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com.
1: So I'm really excited about our guests. Tonight, um, we have two makeover veterans with us. We have Aaron O'Keefe, who competed in 2021 with Denman's Call, and we have Jackie Barr, who competed with Finnick the Fierce in 2022. And if those names sound familiar, it's because those were both some really cool stakes horses back in their day on the racetrack. Um, and Joy, I think you introduced them really brilliantly in the intro to this episode when you said uh, they're going to tell us how to make your virtual stable a reality because <laughs> these girls go way back with these horses, like all the way. Way back to when they were like foals, weanlings, yearlings, and then followed their careers, and then like lived every horse lover's dream of bringing their favorite racehorse home. So, Jackie and Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks thank you for, for having me. Thanks. So, uh, Jackie, we'll start with you. Finnick the fierce, I think, captured a lot of hearts on the Derby Trail um, because he had one eye. <laughs> so, and everyone was like, "That's so cool!" And I know he ultimately didn't end up, you know, contending the Derby. Um, But I know, you know, he had a huge fan following along the way. So how did you first get to know him?
6: So my story with Finn kind of starts because of Aaron. (laughs) When I moved back to Kentucky after graduating from from the University of Kentucky, um, I had moved to Maryland to work on a warm blood farm there, and I moved back. Um, I reached out to Aaron, who I became friends with in college, and she got me a job at Millennium Farm, which Millennium Farm was where Finnick the Fierce was born. And actually, in the same year that I moved back, I moved back in 2017 in the fall, just after the... uh, september sales and then started at millennium right after that there's been kind of question of did i actually like touch him as a foal, or did i just you know <laughs> pass him in a barn or um i'm not sure if he had been weaned and left the farm at that point but um we definitely like had a very parallel <laughs> entrance back into kentucky if you will um, from there i followed him on the racetrack and um but definitely, like, I learned about him because I worked at Millennium, because Aaron had worked with his breeder, Paige Gilster. Um, and so, I kind of just knew about him right from the get-go there with all those people connected. Was there anything
1: in particular about him that, like, captured your, you know, imagination or your heart right away?
6: I think really the first thing was just, like, the the community of the people who knew him, Um like I said, I am I'm, I'm not sure if I actually worked hands-on with him right at the start there, but uh, you know I got to know everybody from his his breeder to his owner to you know everybody who kind of was involved in his his life from right from the get-go, and it was just kind of fun to be a part of this community where like everybody was watching this horse start his training and start his racing career, and then like oh shoot it's actually going really well, um, <laughs> so yeah that's kind of what what got me really to love just him as a horse.
1: Yeah. Oh, and everything he embodied, right? Like, cause that's what they say that you know, a racehorse is the only animal that can take like a thousand people for a ride at one time. So that's really cool uh, yeah. that you're, you know, <laughs> part of his squad.
6: So, and then how did he come to retire and then end up in your barn? So through, um, through my connections, like at millennium farm, I worked with, um, Arnaldo Monge. He was the vet there and he was co-owners when, um, finn was racing and then still i've i've been kind of working after my full-time job i go to the farm and you know spend time with horses work with the horses at bte stables and arnaldo is the reproductive at there as well so once finn was retiring i was in contact with his wife Thina, who comes out and um, is wonderful so we got connected through through aaron through bte stables um and they were people that I had already known. And I was kind of casually looking for a horse at the time. So when his name came up that he was looking for a retirement place, I was like, okay, all right, let's do this. I'm this is the horse. I love that. Yeah. And that's like, yeah, that's a testament
1: to like, get your name out there, get what you want, <laughs> do, right. do the thing. Oh, that's so Absolutely. great. Absolutely. I love that. So Aaron BTE Stables, of course, that's your farm. So I love that you have basically like a pasture full of former stakes horses all running around together because you have a couple of your own. So who do you have?
7: So um, I have Denman's Call um, and he is a grade one winner. Um, he was gelded before his race career started. And uh then went on to I think have more success than anyone really thought he would. Um so as a gelding, he still needed a second career. And he's actually turned out in a field with Finn. Um and it's uh, it's quite fun to get to watch them play and they like to rear up and box. And Finn is probably 16-3 and Magoo is maybe 15-2. Uh, so it's really funny to watch uh, watch <laughs> them rear and try and box each other and Magoo goes very straight vertical to try and be as tall as the bigger boys. That field also has another um, gelding that I knew from the time he was little. He did not achieve the success they had hoped for at the track. Um, His name's Phantom of the Nile, and he's a pioneer of the Nile out of a Malibu moon mare, just absolutely royally bred from the family of Malathat. He sold for $300,000 as a yearling at Saratoga, and raced once. And then Todd Fletcher called the owners and said, he doesn't want to be a racehorse and I can't make him. Um, and that's when he was retired. <laughs> good for you, Todd.
2: <laughs> I know. See, all the press sometimes, but it's like, they make good calls. They do yep. make good calls yeah, out that there. That
1: was the right call. <laughs> 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 I love that. So now I know in particular, like, I'm more familiar with the story on how you acquired... Denman's call, and you call him Magoo, so we'll just call him Magoo for the sake of <laughs> the conversation. Um, so, how did you reconnect with him? So, well, the reason I call him Magoo is
7: uh, I started working at TaylorMade where he was born um, when he was about five days old, I think, um, or so in 2013. <laughs> and when they're that young, they're not named yet. And his dad's name is Maggie McGowan, which does not abbreviate well for a colt so he just became Mr. Magoo which stuck and so I followed him along Um, I follow all of you know my kids that I've worked with at the track and obviously he was quite successful and uh, thanks to the wonders of social media I kind of connected with one of his breeders and had tweeted you know good luck today and things like that and When he hit the end of his race career, it was the fall of 2019 and he was based out of Santa Anita and that um, Breeders' Cup was there that year. I happened to be in town for it and he hadn't worked in like a month. And so the trainer that I knew there introduced me to his current trainer who told me that one of the breeders had stepped in and retired him Um, and he was bred by um, three a partnership of three different individuals, only one of whom had I had contact with at any point in time. And so <laughs> sitting in the airport getting ready to fly back to Lexington, I just figured why not? And I messaged to see if maybe the the one breeder that I had, you know, tweeted back and forth with a few times, maybe happened to be the one who had retired him and he actually was. And so put me in touch with um the The re homer who had him at the time. And one thing led to another, and I ended up with another gilding.
0: (laughs) I love that.
1: That's awesome. So, and I, what I think is really interesting is like, you know, you just basically track the guy down on social media. Like, (laughs) and I think that's how a lot of people are making connections. You know, like, yes, there's a ton of thoroughbreds out there, and you can go to, like, you know, a new vocations or, you know, your favorite reseller and probably find one that meets your needs. But like, you can also connect with one, you know, like both of you obviously had, you know, connections that run a little deeper than like, oh, I saw that horse run once and he's really pretty, (laughs) you know, but like you can use these tools and actually like get in touch with people. Cause I think like, you know, someone like me that didn't grow up in the industry or didn't work in the industry for very long, like it feels almost like untouchable, you know, like you can't just like tweet to Todd Pletcher and ask him about a horse, but apparently you kind of can. So, um, <laughs> so I think that's really interesting, you know, to, to be like, Hey, if you're interested in a horse, like put your name out there. So, yeah. you know, ahead,
2: I was just going to say, like, even if you're attracted to like a certain sire that you love on the track, like, I, I feel like when California Chrome Was going, everyone's like, I want a California Chrome baby. And then you had the Justify gang and like everyone came with each triple crown, but it's, how do you follow them and see like, how would you recommend like an everyday person who doesn't have the necessary race connections could follow some of these foals coming on the ground and a good way to, you know, stay in touch?
7: I mean, the virtual stable is a great tool. That's, pretty much how I follow mine. I actually was cleaning out my virtual stable a couple months ago and realized that Denman's call was still in there with his little note of like, this is Mr. Magoo from back when he was two. But yeah, you can follow along there once they're named and watching races and things like that to see, oh, like, that horse is one that I, you know, has a great trot. I mean, I'm definitely have put horses in my virtual stable and been like that one definitely wants to be a hunter. It does not want to be a racehorse. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. And following that and then utilizing social media. Cause I think, yeah, it's great to be able to like have a connection where you get someone's cell phone number and you can text a trainer. But I mean, at the end of the day with Magoo, I I did have the trainer's contact info, but he didn't know who I was. I'm, you know, I'm someone who says they worked with him this horse years ago when he was a foal and it ended up being through just uh, connecting on social media that I ended up getting him back anyway. So I think things like Facebook and Twitter and things like that, like don't be afraid to shoot your shot. There's a lot of people in the industry that are happy for, horse to go back to somebody who knew it or somebody who appreciates it, you know whatever it is that they appreciate about them. My other gelding phantom came to me. I stayed in contact more directly through his uh, agent and owners. And when he retired, they actually had an offer for a couple thousand for him. And he was still intact at the time. And the owner was kind of insulted by that, I guess. I don't know how much he thought he was going to get for a you know, fresh off the track Colt at that point in time. But he goes, well, for that amount, we should just give him to that girl that always liked him. He Mm -hmm. did not know who I was. I had only ever talked to the agent on the horse, but she had told him about me. And so they decided that instead of taking the money, they felt better knowing he was with someone who had always liked him and had followed him. And that made them feel better about what kind of home he was going to be in rather Mm -hmm. than you know, $1,000. So, yeah. you know, you'd be surprised what connections are are willing to do and where their priorities might be for getting those horses into a good home.
2: I love that. So, all right, listeners, don't be afraid to slide into someone's DMs if you're interested in a foal. Like, that's <laughs> all I'm hearing. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> I will say, I think you have better luck. Like, both of these, like, I know Denman's call, you mentioned he was gelded before he got to the racetrack. Jackie, was Finn gelded? Before he started running, or like mid, like wh- where does his gelding journey begin? Because I think Ab- you're more likely to find a gelding than like mm. a stallion prospect, right? And be like, hey, can I have that one? Right.
6: I believe that he was gelded pretty pretty early. Like I have mm. a feeling it was like once he lost the eye. I th- I think it was not long after that. I'm, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. So he would have run as a gelding. Yeah. So
1: right. yeah, generally, like, especially like, you know, you two happen to be talking about some stakes winners, but generally your intact stakes winners are most likely going to go on to some form of a stud career. But yeah. Like if you see a nice gelding that you like, yeah, this is what
6: I'm hearing. Yeah. You two are just enabling. You guys. Are- <laughs> <For sure. laughs> that's what I live for. Yeah. yeah perfect. I would say that. Aaron is is a little bit more connected in the world than I am, but I have definitely slid into a bunch of people's DMs just about different horses over the years. And a lot of them have been really wonderful. So I really encourage people to just like, who was the last trainer on that horse and just find them on Facebook and send them a message. Because even if they don't have the horse at the moment, they can tell you the last thing they knew about them. And people have been really receptive to it in my experience.
1: Hmm. That's good to know. Yeah. Like I haven't had like super open experiences with the connections of the two thoroughbreds I have, but you know, it's stories like these that remind me, like, maybe I just happened to have experiences that weren't so great. It's not like that I had bad experiences. They just weren't, you know, responsive, um, yeah. which is fine. You know, it was just, a, maybe this is just not the horse for them. You know, it didn't hit their lives the same way. So, you know, it, I know that for every story of like, oh, there was great connections and they wanted to learn more, you know, there's people that are like, well, I never got in touch with mine, but you know, I think, um, you know, just like the equestrian world, the racing world has all kinds of folks in it. So yeah, these are great stories to hear that that people are still connected. So,
7: and I think it's worth remembering too, that sometimes a horse might have both types of connections, right. You know, the, the trainer that Magoo retired with and those connections didn't have a huge interest in communicating, but then his breeder texted me for my address to send me something and asked if I'd be home one day. And I'm thinking like, oh, like maybe he has a a hat from when he was racing or something. And it was his trophy from winning the grade one because he thought I would like it, which I did. It is the coolest thing I have. Um, <laughs> That's so but cool. you can have, you can definitely have a horse that has a mix of connections. So even if you reach out to one person connected with a horse and don't have a positive response, sometimes it's worth like digging around a little more and seeing if you can find anybody else.
1: I love that. So where else would you recommend that people go just to see horses?
7: to, to pick out their future off the tracks. Um, I mean, I liked, I like the paddock at Keeneland. Um, when I'm betting, I like to, you know, you pick the ones that you think are going to be good prospects for the race to bet. And ones that you think are probably going to finish last, but might do quite well at the makeover. I also personally, when I'm at like the yearling sales or the breeding stock sales have been known to make notes of, you know, hunter type or eventer type and try and keep tabs on them as well. I think that the, your courses of racing age sales, you can actually find a lot of good prospects there that are actively available or just to go sit at the back ring at Keeneland and watch, you know, like we said, like some of those justifies and the American pharaohs go through and pick out your favorite and see, and if they don't pan out as a racehorse, which, you know, statistically a good chunk are going to end up in a, a second career outside of the breeding shed you know, you can follow them from the beginning and and gives you more time to shoot your shot with the various connections and and get yourself on on their radar.
1: I love that. All right, great. So this is, yeah, just like enabling a little bit of uh, friendly stalking. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Well, all right. Where can listeners follow along on your collective journeys? Jackie, do you have public social media where we can cheer for Finnick the Fierce in his second career?
6: I do. So he has an Instagram and a TikTok. The TikTok I can't find the password to, but eventually there will be more more videos on it. <laughs> um, but so Finnick the fierce on Instagram. It is Finnick underscore the underscore fierce, and he's he's posted on there. And okay. I also had done a little writing for the um, the blog for the retired racehorse project last year, so you can. You can find us just Google Finnick and you'll be able to find a bunch of our, our blogs. I love that. perverse. And
1: Erin, where can listeners follow along with all of your animals? So
7: Magoo has a Facebook page. She's Denman's call 2021 TV makeover grad. That being said, it does not get updated very often anymore. And so yeah, he has that technically, but I would say the BT Stables social media channels. They have um, we have a Facebook page, an Instagram, and a TikTok account, and that is where he probably makes most of his appearances. His second career has become babysitter and yearling prep pony, um, so he's not spending a lot of time in getting ready for any additional competitions or shows uh, so much as. <laughs> Hopefully teaching my yearlings how to be very fast uh, racehorses in the future and guiding the next generation.
1: That's an important job, man. It is. Hopefully
2: he's a good mentor. And it's not for the faint of heart either.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you both so much for coming on and hopefully enabling a whole bunch more listeners to go to the races and start jotting down some
6: names they like. Absolutely. I'm happy to to usher in (laughs) anybody who's interested. (laughs) I love it.
7: I'm a dedicated enabler, as is evidenced by Jackie's ownership of Finnick right.
2: That's what this entire show is about, is enabling the adoption <laughs> of horses that you may or may not need. And we're proud of
6: it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both again. Thank you, guys.
0: I'm here with Tony from Cashel. You all know it from the ads you hear all the time on this show. But I we're at the trade show, and this is the point of time in the year where we find out what's new coming out. So what's Cash will have new coming out?
3: Oh, we've got a, a great lineup of uh, 32, 34 wool top pads. So uh, t- describe them. Uh, five different colors, real vibrant, bright, sharp looking pads. What, are the, what makes them different? Uh, well, it's the fill. The, the, the wool felt on the inside is a natural felt. And the fleece on the bottom is a 100% merino. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So these are soft and squishy pads. Well, not real squishy, but soft, and, and they do absorb shock and, and saddle fit.
0: What would they retail for? One of those? That's about
3: 119
0: That's the right price. Yeah.
3: Anything else new with Casual coming out? Oh, we've got uh, more saddle pads coming in the fall, a uh, new strap line coming in the fall. It's uh, a two-tone that looks great with a, a great buckle set on it. There's, we're always in development, so there's so many things, projects in the works. What's still your most popular product? Is it still always the same things year after year? Uh, fly. You got Fly, yeah. fly that's protection what we all, is always that's it. That's how I knew you in the first place was fly. Fly masks. Yep. Yeah. Many years ago, uh, we were primarily fly masks and kind of had some tush cushions and a few odds and ends. Today, we've broadened that offering to saddlebags, uh, strap, head stalls, breast collars, bell boots, um, leg protection, and the, the it continues to grow.
0: Is there a place where somebody can go and see all the products?
3: Uh, CashelCompany.com will give you a good offering. There you go. Well, thank you, Tony. It's been fun seeing you again. Hey, thank you. Good to see you.
2: Well, Kristen, I was trying to think of like a cool jingle for our Making the Makeover series, and that's just not my forte. That's not my Making special quality. the makeover. That's as far as I got. There we go, guys. That was it. Making the makeover. That's what you got. <laughs> anyway, now that you all hate us, I hope you're still listening.
1: <laughs> we're not singers, people. We're not, we're not singers. singers.
2: We're podcasters, but we're here to bring you content and embarrass ourselves. But people who are not embarrassed are Making the Makeover series writers coming on today. We are joined by Adriana Nanini and Julia Hesu. Welcome back.
8: Thank you. Hey, Glad how are you guys?
2: Oh, we're doing peachy. It's summertime. It is the equestrians like thriving season and we're so here for it. And we're super excited to hear what's been new on your radar cuz I think you both had some exciting adventures since we last touched base. Adriana, I'll start with you and your cute little Thoroughbred pony, Hoboken Jack. Tell us what's been new since we last touched base.
8: Sure. So, Hoboken Jack, who I call Hobo, he went to his first ever horse trial at the War Horse Event Series May event, which is at the Carolina Horse Park. And that was that was several weeks ago, um, but that was after we last spoke um, on the podcast. So that that is technically an update. And I love the War Horse Event Series because it is so inviting for young horses. Um, we usually ship down there. It's about five hours for us, so it's a bit of a haul, but it's totally worth Every single mile because we haul down there on a Friday. We get to hack around the, the horse park and do a little flat and ride in some of the competition areas on Friday. And then there's this, the official schooling day on Saturday. And then by the time the competition on Sunday rolls around, the horses feel like they've already been there for a few days. So they're, they're pretty cool and collected by that point. So that was his first ever horse trial that he did and he was awesome in all three phases and he came in fourth there.
3: Amazing. And then last
8: yeah, I was I was really really proud of him. Um and then last weekend he actually won uh, at the uh, Virginia Horse Center eventing horse trials um here in Lexington, Virginia at the horse center um Woo-hoo! in the starter generation.
2: Oh, that's like so I need a, a cheering sound bite or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yes, congratulations for both of Thank you. Thank you. Amazing. And Julia, how about you? How are you and Indian Chancellor doing?
9: We're doing really good. So he's had a couple of outings since we last spoke. I've taken him cross country schooling twice, and then we took him to a little hunter show just to get him off the farm. I was bringing students of mine anyway. Um, so we just threw him in a couple of flat classes. The only goal was just to like relaxation, get around, keep moving forward. Cause he, um, has a tendency to get sort of stuck in going forward. Um, I laugh at him all the time cause he's made a lot of money. So I know he knows how to go forward, but he just can't seem to figure it out anymore. So we're getting there slowly. Uh, but last weekend I took him to his first little starter trial and we just did elementary and he Finished in second on his dressage score, which I was super proud of him. You know, each like phase, he just was better and better. He really sort of grew up throughout the whole thing, which was really exciting for me.
2: Amazing. It sounds like you both had really good couple weeks since we last touched base. And I'm going to start with you, Julia, on this next question, because... For those who may have not owned a thoroughbred yet, like especially one who's kind of coming off into retraining from off the track, I think there's a little bit of a misconception that they're they're pretty brave, uh, and they are to their own degree. But I, you know, they're so exposed at a young age of going to the racetrack, lots of sounds, lots of energy, lots of things happening that I think, you know, taking them to a quiet schooling show might seem like a pretty easy thing to do. Um, but you just mentioned your horse got a little bit stuck in the beginning, but learned to relax. How are, how do you help prep them besides, you know, just getting out there and doing it? What are some of the things you like to do to help him relax in those new environments?
9: So he is actually very interesting because when I say stuck, I mean, he doesn't want to go anywhere. So a lot of the times if i'm getting something fresh off the track we take them somewhere new they're super super forward but for him that's not the case so the ones that i get who have a tendency to go somewhere new and get like a little bit excited or a little overwhelmed by the situation i try and find somewhere quiet to take them on the property wherever we've taken them but for this horse specifically we were better getting him into the warm up where there was kind of a lot going on because then he could just follow the other ponies going around the ring. Okay. Um, so it's a little it's a little bit different than what I'm normally used to with these guys.
2: Interesting.
1: Interesting. Yeah, he just kind of like got picked up in the flow and was like, Okay.
5: And how did be, he yeah.
2: <laughs> how did he handle the warm up rings? I know with my thoroughbred, the first time we kind of had it was a group lesson, actually. She thought that we were racing everybody. <laughs> the first time I brought her in yeah. like a group lesson, um, and her first warm up was very interesting too. But um, how did he handle the warm up ring?
9: So with this one, it was how we got him to go forward. So he's very barn sour and very buddy sour, and we knew that when we tried him. That was sort of the thing. Like we went to go look at him, and she said he doesn't want to go forward. That's kind of why he stopped racing. I think he just got like. Just really sour to just going forward. Mm. Um, so, the warm up ring for this horse was great because you just kept following other horses. But typically, I try not to take them to a busy warm up for their first outing because it can, like you said, it just sort of fries their brain a little bit. They're not really sure, you know, especially at a hunter show, you've got a lot of different levels of riders. So, you mm-hmm. have little kids on ponies that kind of maybe don't steer. Or people on green horses that don't really steer and everybody's going, you know, different directions. And that can be really overwhelming. But for this horse, it actually really relaxed him and it got him just sort of moving forward and just continuing to go forward without planting his feet and stopping.
2: Love that. I love the different approach and being able to tailor for a different personality. Uh, Yeah. Adriana, how about you? How did Hobo go ahead and handle his warm-up and being around other horses? So
8: I typically, and Hobo is is not one of these. But I typically, in the past, have had horses that are pretty like nervy types and hot types. I suppose you could say Hobo is not like that at all. So while I'm used to going to a warm up with like my little hot tamale. <laughs> Um, and having to deal with, like Julia just said, all of the people that aren't paying attention to where they're going and all of the riders that don't really know how to steer and people going in every different direction. Normally I'm sort of holding my breath thinking, oh my gosh, is someone going to run into me and my, my horse that's already terrified. But Hobo is pretty self-confident. He is like pretty big for his britches. To be honest, he thinks that he is the king of the world. And not a lot phases him. I would say that the tension doesn't come from the other horses. It comes from other things that he sees. So for example, this last weekend in the dressage warm up, I actually was able to get him pretty relaxed and he was able to win the dressage because he maintained a really nice level of relaxation. But uh, what did set him off was our warm up ring was at the top of a hill at the Virginia horse center. And if you've ever been there, you'll know that it's a beautiful hilly place but when you're up on one of those hills you can kind of look down and see all around you and there's lots of different like things going on down below mm-hmm. so he would see that things going on down below as opposed to the horses in the ring with him and think oh what's that what's going on down there and mm-hmm. um and then at one point in the cross country warm up there was some golf carts going by and some motorbikes going by and so on and so forth and those sort of things would cause him to scoot forward and get a little nervous, but not so much the horses in the ring with him.
1: It's funny. He must just be good at just sort of like phasing that out. Maybe that's uh, how he was successful as a racehorse, too. Yes. Yeah,
2: maybe. Like, I-, I think definitely. it's like the Napoleon complex for sure that a little bit plays in there. <laughs> yeah, he gets oh, in his yes. own
1: zone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. So one of the things that I always love to see, you know, in the the makeover trainers group is people, you know, getting excited about their like light bulb moment or their aha moment with their horse. So I would love to know if you guys have had any of those moments, you know, this spring as we head into summer. So Adriana, I'll start with you. Is there anything that's like suddenly clicked for Hobo that you were like, yes, we've done it. We've done a thing.
8: Let's see. Um, yes, yes, actually. So, uh, I would say a couple of different things on the flat. I did figure out that getting him to the show a day or two early really helps and makes us be able to be more competitive. And, um, anyone that knows eventing knows that dressage and the score that you get in dressage is really important if you want to be competitive, because that's the basis for everything. And it's sometimes a fraction of a point that sets you apart from the other people in your division. So I've been able to get him to be pretty relaxed on the flat if I can get there a couple days in advance and school him and hack him around. And then he feels pretty confident by the time we go down the center line. And then also, I would say on the cross country, something that really clicked was I have figured out that if I trot the first couple of fences on cross country, He is much more confident. And then let's say fence three or four, he'll land cantering and then we'll continue the rest of the course cantering. But if Mm -hmm. I come out of that start box and I try to force him to canter to that first fence, he's sort of overwhelmed. He just needs another extra second to process what he's about to do. So I think that that has instilled a lot of confidence in him is me figuring out that he prefers to trot the first couple of fences, at least for now.
1: Yeah. That makes so much sense. Like I have a a fairly seasoned thoroughbred at this point. And sometimes if the only comparable thing I have is the ranch trail course, but if we have to come in at a lope and go right to an obstacle, he's still like, Whoa, you know? So, so that makes sense. You know, sometimes that they're like, Oh, please ease me into this and give me like a hot second, you know, to figure out what we're doing. So yeah. Good for you for figuring that out. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, the, the reflex there is always like, okay, we're in the start box. Let's gun it and go. And yeah, that's not what it was
8: all trial and error. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah, well, well done for trialing and erroring the right way. <laughs> Julia, how about you and your team? Have you guys had any good light bulb moments with Indian counselor? So we're still
9: just figuring him out. I've my first ride on him was the second of this month. Oh, wow. um, so we're still, yeah. So we're still just kind of figuring out like what gets him going forward. What he's pretty relaxed sort of all the time, maybe overly relaxed, which is a little bit part of the problem going forward. Um, but it's since this is my first year doing a team, it's been really interesting between rides. Summer comes to ride him once or twice a week right now, because she's still in school, obviously. Um, and they live about an hour from me. So there's a little bit of a mm-hmm. distance between us.
0: Mm-hmm.
9: But it's been interesting on my rides on him during the week, figuring like little stuff out. Like, how I can get him to sort of relax and just sort of relax and drop his head down a little bit, you know, on a looser rein, what gets him to move off my right leg, what gets him to go a little bit straighter, how to encourage him to keep going forward away from the barn. And then when summer comes to ride him, being able to sort of translate that to her has been sort of the most exciting part of it for me to sort of help her figure out how to ride him in between her weekly rides and just seeing how he changes week to week.
1: Oh yeah. That must be fun for her, you know, to, to, cause that's a big difference week to week, mm-hmm. you know, with a green horse, like that can be hugely transformative And all of a sudden it's like, this is a different horse. I know you said those were little things, but those feel like big things or like things that all add up into big things. So yeah. Give yourself some credit there. Those are, yeah. those are big <laughs> things, especially going straight away from the
9: barn. That's the hardest thing to get going. Yeah. That's, the, that's <laughs> the hardest thing for him is going oh. away from the barn. We can figure that oh. out. He's going to be fantastic.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, and that'll be fun too when, you know, when Summer can ride more than once a week, but that is, a, that's definitely a commute <laughs> to
2: the parts. So yeah. Good yes. for her. Oh, uh, well, s- starting with Julia, so we, we've talked about some success and some learning opportunities for both these horses. Um, what are you hoping to accomplish this month with them?
9: So we just actually last night she came and rode him and we kind of came up with a plan because I'm obviously juggling my business as well. And, um, also braiding full-time, which is sort of a second business. And then Summer and her family are leaving for, I think, three or four weeks to go to Africa.
3: Oh, so wow.
9: we're Whoa. sort yeah, so we're sort of packing a lot into the next three weeks. So we have a little hunter jumper series that I'm doing with my students, um, that he's going to tag along to those. And Summer's going to do 18 uh, inch jumpers with him sort of the next i think the first one's the 10th and then the following weekend and then i'm going to move him up and we're going to take him to fair hill um for an event so That's then fine. yeah so we're kind of jamming that all into the first three weeks of this month and then he'll get a little bit of a break because both of us aren't here
1: yeah i bet he'll process a lot in that break and be like yeah okay
9: 100%. Yeah, I, I think it's hopefully it'll marinate. I think it's going to be really helpful for him. Yeah, lovely. Yeah.
1: Sometimes that can be the best thing, you know. It's like mm-hmm. it feels like you're losing time, but you're not because the horse is going to move forward off a break for
8: sure. So that's exactly exciting.
2: lovely. And Adriana, how about for you? What's in Hobo's calendar for this month?
8: So my goal for Hobo this month is um, being that he just did his first recognized horse trial. I think he's about ready to move up to beginner novice. And I'm not exactly sure where I'm going to do that, but I do think um, one of my favorite events in area two is at the end of this month. It's Loudon hunt pony club horse trials. It's at Oatlands plantation up in Leesburg. And it's a really nice, like open gallopy course, almost like an old school type cross country course. Fine. Um, So I I really hope I can take him to that and do the beginner novice and then within that I also want to make sure that he continues being really confident so I'll take him cross country schooling a few more times between now and then I'll take him to a couple lessons just to make sure that we're we're you know staying really confident and feel really prepared and then um, I would really, really like to break into the 20s and dressage. I feel like we're so, so close. And without a couple of like mistakes, we could have the last couple of times, but didn't quite get it together. So I think that that's well within reach if, if I can ride him
2: properly. Oh, that's excellent. And honestly, a great goal. I'm like, oh, I would also love to do that, <laughs> but... <laughs> My my horse is not as confident as Hobo. So I'm excited to see what you both accomplish. And same for you, Julie. I'm really excited to see what Indian Chancellor accomplishes over the next few weeks. It's hard to believe that we're four months away from the makeover. I know Chris doesn't like when I bring that up. I'm not ready. (laughs) But a lot of exciting times, and this really is like the peak of the equestrian season. So Can't wait to see what you both do. Adriana, where can people follow you if this is the first time they're hearing from you? So
8: Hobo has his own YouTube vlog series. And so if you follow me on YouTube, it's Tall Tale Equestrian on YouTube. And he has his own own little show going on. I think we're up to episode six now. And then also my Instagram has lots of Uh, hobo spam on it as well and that's tall tale equestrian on instagram
1: that's a great phrase to take out of context (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah i love it uh julia where can people find you
9: uh they can find me on facebook and instagram at close up show stables that's my farm page Um, and then on my personal page as well which is just under my name julia yesu
2: Perfect. Well, thank you both so much for joining us and wishing you the best of luck over these next couple weeks. And can't wait to have you back on to hear about your progress. Thank you so much.
9: Thank you so much.
3: If you have one or two horses or you have 20, 30 or more fly predators will make the difference between heavy infested fly problem or a no fly zone. Balding lab fly predators catching these flies before they become an issue.
1: Well, Joy, this week, I wanted to ask our listeners how they got into retired racehorses, just because I always think that's kind of a fun journey for people to share. And we got some really cool responses on our Instagram story. So Mr. Upgrade You responded, riding horses. Uh, Many of my first lesson horses were off-track thoroughbreds, and my second horse was one, too. And I actually think this is a super overlooked way that people can connect with the racing industry and with thoroughbreds is through Lesson Horses. I think there's a Mm -hmm. ton of OTTB Lesson Horses out there. And I think that's like a super underutilized way for people to learn more about their horses racing past. So that's my soapbox for the evening. I will (laughs) die on that hill. All right. Our girl, Lee, (laughs) everyone's going to think that's her Instagram handle. It's Lee HB. (laughs) We call her (laughs) our girl, Lee. Our girl, Lee. She said, uh, getting a horse for free as a broke horse loving high schooler. Um, and I think that's also fairly common that, you know, there are still a fair number of giveaway thoroughbreds.
2: It is they, like a gateway drug to for
1: the horse sure. world. <laughs> yep. And they, yeah. And they end up in the hands of like, otherwise like impoverished riders who are like, all right, I got a horse. So yes, I love it. Ex-Racehorse Life Coach says, the first coach I rode with as an adult had off-track thoroughbred lesson horses. There's another one in that column. Mm-hmm. I love this one. Just Jess, Jesse Phillips music responds. I found one in the newspaper classifieds in
2: 1995. Oh,
1: I love that. Me Good for too. that horse. Cause you never know what you're going to find in the newspaper classifieds and you never know where they're going to go. So. Yeah. All right. myat caught a fish, Uh lifelong admiration of the thoroughbred. When I could buy my own horse, I picked an off-track thoroughbred.
2: Oh, I love that. She manifested that. Love it.
1: Yeah, like I love the stories of like, oh, you know, they were lesson horses. They were cheap. They were available to me. But I like that she specifically sought one out. So mm-hmm. well done, Maya Cottafish. That's Alyssa. She's a longtime makeover volunteer. Uh, Jay Reichel riding. As a teenager, I like that they were cheap. Now I appreciate their patience and athleticism. Oh, I love I that. Like I think that that that's good. I think like people are drawn initially because it's like, this is what I can afford. And then it's like, oh my God, these things are awesome. <laughs> I think that's a great response. Uh, summer Nicole Long 2018. I was scrolling through TikTok and saw a new vocations video of the horses and fell in love. That'll that do be a, our first like TikTok convert to off-track thoroughbredism. So you heard it here that. first. And <laughs> Building Better Hunter says thoroughbreds are my favorite ride always. I love that. Love. Well, thanks for sharing that, folks. I think that's yes. just really cool how people got into thoroughbreds and like I yes. think those responses well, show that Kristen, there's such a
2: range. We can't leave without telling them how we got into this.
1: Oh yeah, actually, I don't even know. I don't know my origin story. You go first. Kristen
2: was born on a thoroughbred. If you that, guys, that's didn't know. not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely not it. <laughs> well, mine was actually for. I've always, appreciated them. I watched races with my dad on the TV, of course. Like we didn't have a racetrack near us. Um, but I grew up with Arabs primarily. I thought that was always what it's going to have. And then I met my friend, Kyle Rolfes, who's been on the show a few times here. He's competed in the makeover. And he actually took me to my first race. And he introduced me to my current horse now because he was secretly plotting I would always adopt her. (laughs) So it worked. It absolutely worked. And she is my best friend to this day. And then we started the show.
1: That's so funny. Kyle was the first person I went to a canter open house with at an end of meat sale. I don't think I knew that. Oh yeah, no he uh, he drove all the way across Ohio and met me at they So They're
2: like equisisters now, yeah. Is that how that works? Yeah.
1: <laughs> One degree of separation and it's Kyle. So hey Kyle, it's you Kyle. hey Kyle,
2: thanks hey. for setting this whole future up, you freaking <laughs> wizard. Oh, <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. Yeah, so I think like I had always. Yeah. I've always appreciated horse racing. Um, I got a little more into it, you know, in more recent years and then had always sort of felt a little bit lost in the quarter horse industry because there's just a lot of things going on in that industry mm-hmm. that I didn't agree with, you know, on a...
2: Same on the yeah, you your complaint
1: to Jennifer one. at horseradio.net.com. Right, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Just saying my piece. And uh, <laughs> yeah, always just wanted to find sort of like a, a niche where I felt like I belonged. And um, saw some videos of the makeover and was like, this might be my jam, because I saw other people riding thoroughbreds western, like you know, mm-hmm. in my mind. Like when I taught at the university, all the western horses were quarter horses or paints. And on the English side, there were warm bloods and thoroughbreds, but we didn't have any western thoroughbreds. You know, it just wasn't a thing. And then I saw thoroughbreds doing some really cool stuff at the bankover and I was like, I think I could do this. And now I have Jabber, who is hands down he the hands-in-the-ranchiest horse that I've ever had.
2: So he sure is. He's a weird oh, yeah. cat, but we love him. That's the <laughs> best way to describe him ever. <laughs>
1: So if you would like to participate in a future social segment, just give us a follow on everything Facebook and well, I say everything Facebook and Instagram at retired Racehorse radio. The Retired Racehorse Project horse listings are back online. We're really excited. We've been working really hard on this for about a year since our new website came out. So our horse listings used to be the place to get a thoroughbred. It was used by adoption organizations, by resellers, by people moving experienced thoroughbreds with show records. We're super excited that they're back now. So if you are in the market for a thoroughbred, whether you're looking to adopt or shop, check out the rrp.org horse dash listings. They're also open to list a horse yourself so if you are looking to sell or adopt out your horse definitely take a look into listing your horse it's free to use there are also premium upgrades and subscription models available that's the rrp.org horse listings
2: as horse owners we spend a
5: lot of time on the road let us rider help keep you covered our equestrian motor plan offers fast reliable nationwide service from our highly trained roadside assistance team coverage for both you and your horse. Membership includes horse trailer servicing, towing, flat tire repair, even on dual wheels, battery assistance, and lockout service on any vehicle in your plan. We also have your equine companions covered with referrals
2: for emergency vet services, barrier referrals, and emergency stabling assistance. Get peace of mind on the road for you and your horse. Join US
5: Rider today.
2: Well, it is that time of the show, and we are bringing on Leandra Cooper from New Vocations to bring us another training tip and introduce our adoptable horse of the week. Welcome back to the show, Leandra.
4: Oh, thank you for having me, as usual.
2: Oh, It's always a pleasure. I love that you've like been a part of the show since day one, and it's been great. We've been able to open up to standard brides, but so appreciate your partnership and New Vocations as well, because I know our listeners greatly appreciate it.
3: Oh, well,
4: I'm absolutely flattered and I can't even believe how long it's been and keep on going.
2: I know. And we always have a horse to share because there's always horses coming in. It's always great. But (laughs) before we look at this cutie who I'm super excited about, I wanted to ask you a little different type of training question. There's all kinds of tack out there. We know that there's tack for every single horse, but one of the things that we don't always talk about is girths and how do you pick the right girth for different horses? You have everything from the straight line, fleece, to neoprene, to synthetic, then you have anatomical, the choices are endless. Mm
4: -hmm. How do
2: you know what's a good girth for your horse?
4: Well, I think you just said it. It's what's a good girth for your horse. And it it definitely can feel overwhelming when you don't know where to start, especially if you're working with a new horse and it, you might just kind of have like your default systems. And I think understandably, a lot of people kind of start with what they're familiar with. Um, you know, I think of the, like I have this image of what the schooling girth looked like even from when I was a kid and very mm-hmm. much like a lot of those patterns, will come from what's familiar. And that just feels right for some people, but you can sometimes recognize with a horse when it's maybe not right. And I love that you brought that up because the girth is so rarely what people think about, you know, people, we always talk about bits and saddles, but we're not talking about the other
2: components.
4: (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, you might look at different, uh, stirrup irons for ourselves, then we might think about softer options for spurs and little things like that. But how often is it really that somebody stops to think about the girth that they're using? And it one thing that really made me kind of stop to think about the girth that I was using, because I think for some of them, you know, you could think like, well, you know, this works well enough. And I really, you know, I just want it to fit. And be comfortable, like we mm-hmm. think about size, basically, right? And you might think about different options, like the different disciplines. You might need a belly guard for show jumpers. You might consider like an anatomical girth because you're noticing the saddle slipping, and so you're looking at it yeah. from different angles. But it wasn't really until I years ago, I think, like an equine affair I saw a stand for tapestry equine products, mm-hmm. and they have this tapestry girth. And instead of there being, you know, this actually just came up the other day too, in a totally derailing what I was just saying. But like, I was just thinking about how some of my younger writers don't even really know the like, um, righty tighty lefty loosey where mm-hmm. it's traditional to start on the left side or the right side sorry because you don't have the elastic on both sides and I was looking around at my tack room and I'm like everything has elastic on both sides now so nobody's like understanding <laughs> that concept of just yeah, like those are the days all <laughs> <I know>. leather <laughs> but yeah so anyway so I saw this tapestry equine products girth And it has like a neoprene base that goes under the sternum and it has the standard D clip and everything. But then it has this like the elastic parts of it. And there's three that kind of crisscross and weave into each other. And then it has the solid leather at the top. And I was like, well, that's, I've never seen a girth that has the elastic in the middle section of it. And in talking with the person who's at the stand, who was actually the owner, she was talking about how the different types of girths can have such a different impact on or horses in the way that they're moving Mm -hmm. and how like the energy moves up rather than kind of being restricted. You have more motion options with the girth that she designed um, that can enable the horse to have like a longer stride and really be able to breathe because the rib cage expands um, in a sort of up down motion, like from the sternum up rather than like how we might think about it. Which just totally got me like thinking about this different wave of how of this piece of tack that we totally take for granted. And how um, you know, the different motions can be influenced by even things like that. But it really plays such a critical role, especially when we're tightening it, but like, because we mm-hmm. rely on that to keep our saddle on. And so we're we're tightening it and really making sure it's snug on them all the time, you know, even adjusting it throughout our ride. But um, So rarely are we thinking about like the restrictions that we might be putting on our horse and how the right kind of girth, the right fit, all those things can influence that. So then I kind of like, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the tapestry girth now, and I still, I still use a variety of different girths, but definitely for ones who are girthy, you know, you might think about that differently if you're thinking about the way that a horse might be considering that like their reflex towards it might be pain and there might be other options.
9: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, I really don't feel like I'm addressing your question at all in any way. I think we're bringing just...
2: that this needs to be a big discussion. Like, so for me, this, yeah. this question came up where I have a pretty big shouldered thoroughbred. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, before I was using kind of just your traditional fleece, just straight across girth, you know, that you see at any school and I'm like, Oh, fleece, this is comfortable. This is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize it was actually restricting her movement and I needed right. an anatomical because her shoulders were so big and mm-hmm. the straight was actually causing my saddle to push forward. Right. Um, so that was a good life lesson. I'm like, well, I need to know more about her. So I'm like, and she's a sweater. So actually the mm-hmm. fleece wasn't the right move for her. And just kind of thinking through that customization, I'm like, why are we not challenging? I think you were right that to start of we go with what we know, what's comfortable. And I also grew up with like, you only had elastics on the one side. (laughs) You start from the right (laughs) side and go to the other side. So everything has changed since then. And you're bombarded constantly of this is the best product. Mm -hmm. But I think it's what's the best product for your horse? Because one might work better for one horse than another.
4: Yeah. And that's where it's, you, you know maybe we need to be taking these big picture views where we're really thinking outside of the box, especially if that outside of the box of what, just what we know. Um, And I always like to kind of look at different disciplines and how different people are riding or like even different barns. Everybody's got kind of different ways and really taking a good look for yourself and deconstructing what we know or think that we know so that when you run into issues or if you're evaluating performance that you're really considering all the different pieces involved, like, um, you like I, in exactly what you're saying, like I think people don't necessarily think of like thoroughbreds as having giant shoulders, but like, uh, I actually had my saddle have the panel cut back for the shoulder because I was wow. noticing that so much and it was from looking at the sweat patterns and I just was seeing a lot of compression in their shoulders consistently um, even with different horses but you know learning how to evaluate the sweat patterns on your horse or um really like instead of just going to reprimand a horse who's gurfy because that's what they do, like thinking about why that might be, or if something that we can do can change that because their pain might be a response to something that is fixable. So, you know, I don't know that I necessarily have like the answer of all answers because it can change so much. Right. But um I definitely think that they're trying to tell us in lots of different ways. Yeah. If we're really absolutely apt and ready to listen. Mm-hmm. And, and with our eyes and our ears that there's a lot of information they're giving us. And fortunately, we have a lot of options now. It's not the kind of standard old school approach of just like yeah. suck it up, buttercup. And there weren't that many different yeah. um, innovations. In the and tab- even
2: the Western writers, like I know yeah. we're talking English girls, but like I grew up where it was just kind of the, the yarn cinch mm-hmm. and that's yes. all you got. Yeah. Now there's so many options too. And there's like anatomical cinches too, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I could go
1: on a whole soapbox on that, you know, because (laughs) I've, I've tried a bunch of those things and have found very different results depending on the horse and the saddle. So, totally, you know, and from a practical standpoint, like not to sound like a total cheapskate, but if you're having some questions about saddle fit like trying a new cinch is way cheaper than trying a new <laughs> saddle right away yes. you know so if you're in that position you know and then once you get into western tack you can change your saddle fit with a pad you know the same way that you might change the flocking on an english saddle changing mm-hmm. your pad can really adjust that fit and that's not to say oh if your saddle doesn't fit just get a different pad you know a bad yeah. saddle is a bad saddle but It's a lot cheaper to...
2: It's worth trying. Like if your saddle looks like it's fitting well, the padding looks well and your horse is showing signs of girthiness and you've ruled out ulcers Mm -hmm. or any pain points, you know, if they got sores, ask your friends at the barn. Like that would probably be my tip. I know we're asking Mm -hmm. Leandra for tips, but that would be, that's what I like to do. I always like to ask, just, you know, promise you're going to wash it right after, but try it out. Try something different. See how your horse responds. Mm -hmm. But I was honestly shocked. And even this will be another topic for another day, I promise y'all. But even the way that I was always taught to do one, your outside and your third Mm -hmm. billet as opposed to the middle. Now I'm actually doing on my right side, I do the first two billets and Mm -hmm. then my other side, I do one and three because she's stronger on her left and my saddle's shifting forward on the right. So I'm actually balancing her out and I'm like, Where was this education in the 90s?
4: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the beautiful thing is now we can can look at that with new lenses and reevaluate it and make those decisions. And you never know what results you're going to get. It might just be for the better. Yeah. So
2: team, if you guys would like to hear more, we are happy to pull a saddle fitter on, a girthing expert. You have to message us if that's what you want. But I feel like this could be a very fun table conversation. Oh, yeah. But speaking of fun conversations, let's jump into our adoptable horse of the week because he is cute. Yeah. Very fun.
4: Yeah. So this week I decided we would talk about Monition, who we put up online fairly recently and we call Mo. He's a 2018 gelding. He's just around 16 hands and he stands a little bit like, he, his appearance is a little bit smaller than that, but he does have nice, sizable withers and he has kind of an uphill build. I think he's going to be a late bloomer. Yeah. I really do. But the package <laughs> that he has, it just, it, there's so much versatility in it. Like, you can see how upright his shoulder is and his pictures um, and his relatively short cannon bones. And he just like everything about the way he's put together. He, he needs some muscling. He needs to get back into shape. You can see. Along his um haunches mm-hmm. and his SI, like he's lacking a little bit of muscle there. So his booty looks a little small in comparison to everything else. Um, but he's really big barreled, which I don't know that that comes across as much in the pictures. So I just think this is a horse who can go in so many different directions as far as discipline. And fortunately, he has no known injuries, so nothing that's really physically holding him back. But I absolutely love English Channel Horses and his sire is English Channel. And along with that, you get some really wonderful bloodlines accompanying that. Uh, And I'm not as familiar with his dams lines, but I, I really think that he is bred and acts in a way that speaks volumes about how he is going to evolved, but his disposition is so mellow and so quiet and he's just taken everything well in stride. So I'm very impressed with this horse and, um, you know, the one like con, I wouldn't even say con, like the thing that he needs to work on is that he is kind of scared of the hose, which I think is ridiculous (laughs) considering that he had a career on the track and like one very nitpicky. Yeah. Yeah, Like (laughs) was very much uh, a horse. It was hosed off before, but he acted scared of it. So, you know, we have this kind of tracking system in our levels. And so I think that he got critiqued a little bit harsh on that category by our team, but um, because my horse is a huge wimp around water too, and acts like (laughs) the hose is not his friend, but um, very workable, very much something that that can be worked on um, and improved upon, but in everything else, he, he is, easy, really quite, quite exceptional horse. Uh, and, um, the only other thing is that he had a, hit an injury to his right eye as a foal. So he has some scar tissue in there, but it's, you can't even see it in the pictures; It's nothing that stands out. And he's still very responsive to all stimulus in that eye. Um, so if it affects his vision, it's, um, definitely not hugely so. And we've just been so impressed by this horse so far. And um, he's just really stinking cute. I like him a lot. I
2: love his gait. Oh, yeah. He just floats along. He's so happy to be working. I would, he could go in any direction. Like you said, Leander, I could easily see him going into eventing, jumping, dressage. Definitely a hunter. But like I could
7: see him being a little ranch pony too.
2: Yes, he could. And like he just wants to please and you can tell. Yeah. Oh, I want to take him home. He'll get in yeah. my life. I shouldn't have watched this patch. video.
4: <laughs> <laughs> this long and low video of him yeah. on the website. I'm like, oh no. Well, and that's oh, the yeah. thing is like, even though he needs some work and the muscle development, like he's willing. So it's, it's not even where you're like, Ooh, we really got to hit the gym. And like, he's going to hate this. And it's going to be an uphill battle. He's ready for it. And he's he, you can hack him out and he doesn't care about anything. And he about
2: looks about so him. smooth. Like his back doesn't move. I'm watching him canter right now. And he just mm-hmm. looks chill even though he's above the bridle like he's figuring out his balance like you can tell once he's on it and he knows how to carry his body he's going to be a superstar so yeah i'm really excited to see munition and what he does you can check him out at horseadoption.com he will go fast people i'm telling you he's gonna go fast but don't worry there is a horse for everyone here so check out newvocations.com or horseadoption.com um and his adoption fee is 3500 like this is a horse I would, I'm not even give numbers, Leandra, I'm going to get myself in trouble, but this is a steal. That's for sure. It's
4: yeah, a steal.
9: This is
2: a
4: nice well, I'm about to throw a wrench in this for you because I mean, you guys are going to be the first people that I tell about this. And so I know by the time that this is published and everything, it will be into June, but we have... A, an all-new adoption fee special that will be breaking as of tomorrow. And we're gonna be doing 50% off all adoption fees. So we're doing Christmas in June. Uh, but this is gonna be our our we don't usually do any other 50% off adoption fee specials except for uh for Christmas. So this is our like Christmas in july but really june and that's about to be happening so oh my goodness coming off that adoption fee by the time yeah. this and
2: he's he is eligible for the makeover so if you're competing and you have a horse yet we got one for you and Absolutely. he'd be ready to go you could just he would like, be ready to go <laughs> Go right oh, go take Leandra, <laughs> thank you for showing us this like star stopper i love him and you can check him out again, horseadoption.com. Get your applications in. They go like hot cakes. They go very quick. So, but Leandro will help you find your perfect horse once your app is in and approved. Absolutely. Leandra, thank you again for coming on. We so appreciate it and looking forward to next time.
4: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I'll see you
2: next time. Well, Kristen, I know you typically kick off our clothes, but I just have to briefly interrupt to thank a listener here. Um, Caroline Dukowski, if I pronounce your last name wrong, I apologize. But she sent me the most lovely fan mail over the weekend. I won't read the whole thing, but I will summarize the best I can. Uh, She has started listening to our podcast in September of 2022 and officially caught up. And yes, she started with episode number one and God bless you. Oh, that was rough. Her. That was a rough one. Uh, we were all learning a little bit that day. Uh, and she currently has a 10 year old half Arab gelding that she's been riding and just enjoying the horse world while managing the full-time job, her family, all of that. Her dad got her into horses and like many, she interviewed or like many of those interviewed by Pollock Report for the Next Generation series. Her and her father went to Arlington Park multiple times a week in the late 1980s, uh, and that was in lieu of riding lessons. So racing it was really stuck with her for many years. She actually said that the last Kentucky Derby with Rich Strike, which yes, I lost money on that Derby, but it was Didn't still great to watch. We all did, <laughs> Uh, Was one of it was the best Derby of her lifetime, and it boosted her love of the sport even more. She can't remember how she found our podcast, but. A much, or sorry, but is amongst much of the material she's tapped into the last year. And she's learned more about racing and how she can support the sport as it's brought her much joy as a child without millions of dollars to be disposed of. She's appreciated many of our guests, such as Gina Rawrick, Christoph Hess, Jonathan Horowitz, because she loved the Arabs, Winnie Morgan Nemeth, and anyone from the Pollock Report. And she's brought us some guest ideas too that I'll be sharing. We'll keep those as teasers, but I definitely love what she has. To recommend. Um, so I just appreciate Caroline for all of what she shared and we welcome any fan mail. Um, I don't like to call it fan mail. It's <laughs> uh, Call it whatever you want. Appreciation, uh, guest ideas. We love hearing from you because... While we enjoy doing the show, and Chris and I love talking to each other and love talking to our producer, George, we do it for you at the end of the day. And knowing that you're enjoying the content and are able to contribute with your ideas, uh, it means the world to us. So thank you, Caroline, and thank you for all who listen.
4: I love that.
1: You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at horseradionetwork.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram, just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. I can be found on Instagram at The Horseback Writer and on Twitter at Kristen Kovach. My email is kbentley at rrp.org.
2: You can find me on Instagram at misfitmare and my email is joy at horseradionetwork.com. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Company and to our partners, New Vocations Adoption Program and the Retired Resource Project. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network, part of Equine Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And add more leg. Bye guys.